Where the Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. Welcome back to another episode of Where the Whiteboards Are. Today we have three of the WTWA gang here. Eric is not joining us for this episode, but who knows, he could show up anytime. So true, actually. That's true. Yeah. Any minute now, we could hear the door open. Yeah. So and then we have to stop talking smack about him, which yeah. is... No, <laughs> we don't ever have to stop. <laughs> so we were kind of talking off air, and I have a lot of questions for Sam, really about her role and her experience as an instructional leader within her district and some of the gains that they've made and mm-hmm. some of that process. So for maybe the people who haven't listened or don't know, can you maybe describe your role a little bit? Sure. That's such a good question. Okay. So like <laughs> technically I am our curriculum director. Um, and so like my three areas of focus are supposed to be curriculum instruction and assessment. And that's a pretty like standard position in a lot of districts anymore. Like there are roles that are similar to that. Um, and smaller districts like mine even now have some of those roles. Um, however, what I have found, because I've spent a lot of time this year going to like PD and networking and connecting with other people who have that role, is that it is a multifaceted position. Um, and so kind of it's like um, uh, a hands on deck, like, hey, we need help here. And oftentimes I'm the person who's going to like jump on that and offer the help. Um, In my district, I also technically serve as the instructional coach, Um, but like by nature of time and demand and like the ratio of me to staff members, I don't do like a conventional coaching cycle like our um, previous guest, Nicole Harrell, would have done. So it's more just like instructional help where needed and appropriate. Okay. So I'm really kind of curious about like data Mm -hmm. and how do you utilize data both to to help teachers and students and and figure out where growth is or where we need to make changes and improvements. And I know a lot of schools use RTI. And just to side note, we're probably going to use some acronyms and we're going to try to explain them, but they may just like slip out. So RTI is response to intervention, Mm -hmm. which is this kind of teaching instructional model where we can uh, see students who are struggling and then implement interventions on this kind of three-tiered level uh, to try and get them the support that they need. And if they're not successful, we kind of move to another tier to give them more intensive supports and possibly even refer to uh, like special education, things like that, and make sure that students are getting the help that they they need. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you give me some insight into like, how you utilize data, how you get data on student performance or how teachers use it? Sure. Um, Well, I think when we talk about data, we're probably, we need to acknowledge that we're talking about data in two forms. Mm -hmm. So we can have kind of summative data um, that is, I think, in its best sense, generated by teachers not, or by materials not made by the teacher. Okay. Um, so I mean this with like all support and love, but if you are using a test, let's say that the teacher created, um, we don't really know about like the efficacy of that test. Mm -hmm. So it could be like high levels of efficacy, like the teacher designed this really well done test, but also sometimes that's not the case. Um, so I'm, when I think about summative data for my part, I'm probably thinking about like 
we've done benchmarking from a third-party platform, um, anything we do for like our end-of-course assessment preparation, um, things like IXL, NWEA, iReady, all of those could give you that kind of data. Um, and then we have formative data, which is like your day-to-day -day data that you generate in your classroom. And I would say for the most part, like if I'm just a teacher making a quiz, in my brain, I'm gonna count that as formative data. Um, so those are like our two kinds. Um, in theory, like your formative data should be driving your day-to-day -day instruction. And that's kind of what should inform you as a teacher, whether or not your students are understanding whatever it is that you're working on, their skills and standards. And then I would say like your summative data is really more useful for like large scale curricular revision is more useful for like teacher intervention, um, like better instructional support and those kinds of things. Cause you're not going to get that so much. So like on a day-to-day -day basis where you can directly implement that in your classroom. So formative data, you could implement changes really quickly, mm -hmm. agile, um, you know, teacher interventions for students, things like that. And then your summative data, that's going to be like big overarching changes that are going to be a little bit more cumbersome, take time to mm -hmm. implement kind yes. of thing. Um, so do, do you see teachers, how are they getting their like formative data? Is that just more or less grades or? Um, so we actually like at my district, we've been working on this with our, DCI team. DCI stands for District Continuous Improvement. Um, and that's just kind of like an initiative um, that the state of Missouri started, um, but has kind of trickled into a more regional aspect. Um, but we've actually been talking about formative data a lot because I think when you get into your day-to-day -day teaching, it's easy to disregard like how much data you actually collect. Right. And because it's not like this huge test assessment or whatever, you don't always immediately think of that as being as useful. But literally formative data could be almost anything that you're receiving student work. Like, and so sure. we've done like Quizlet responses, Kahoot responses. Um, we've done like exit tickets. I got really into in the last two years when I was in the classroom using index cards as like something that students turned in for like a quick check. And um, so all of that can be your formative data. But again, like in my perception of data, I would also say like your classroom created quizzes and tests mm -hmm. also count. Okay. Um, can you talk, you, we kind of mentioned the growth model that Missouri has. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like I recently was reading about it when I was looking at what DCI was and mm -hmm. what's available through that. And that like in the past week. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not even familiar with that um, at all. Mm -hmm. So can you maybe explain what that is a little bit? I can. It's going to take some time. Okay. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah, you ready? Yeah. Okay. So I just need to preface that I am not a statistician. Eric is not here, but he could speak <laughs> to the experience of the semester that I took statistics for my doctorate. It was not a graceful time in my life. Um, and so I went to a presentation through the University of Missouri where one of their economics stats professors explained like the Missouri growth model. So I'm going to do my best sure. um, based off his info. So basically like, okay, when you are taking your end of year assessments in Missouri, be it your MAP or your EOC, you get your status score and your status score is like how we did on this test that day, like your 
snapshot data mm-hmm. that's generated by that assessment. Um, however, like over time, the state and a bunch of states, I think you said something like 48 states, including the District of Columbia, if they were a state, um, use a growth model now. Um, so over time, they realized that that like status snapshot is not equitable um, because right. like obviously different schools are dealing with a different pool of resources. They're dealing with different community factors. They're dealing with like baseline academic levels for their community um and so just having this like one day where you take this picture is not fully equitable which is good like we like that they're realizing this so um the growth model is like a highly sophisticated statistical model that's like super complex it's got all these parts in it it's like research-based and all this other good stuff where they're essentially trying to statistically account for the external factors that a school can't control. So kind of those things that we just talked about, um, they're trying to restrict for those. Um, So if you are a school that has very limited financial resources, in theory, you're not going to be penalized for that in your growth scores. And they're going to statistically account for that when they make your, your growth score. And so instead, what you're left with is the growth model is supposed to be like a true evaluation of your instructional effectiveness. And all that we're evaluating are the internal factors that your school can control, like your curriculum and your instruction and all of your initiatives and efforts. Um, So to do that, they um, look at a previous existing score. So like third grade is never going to be included in the growth model because it's the first time they test. Mm. Um, If you matriculate from like homeschool or private school, that's not going to be in the growth model because you don't have, we don't have a score for you. Um, But if you've tested at any point in time, they're going to look at your score that you got, be it in ELA math or when you got older science. Um, And then Desi's going to look at your school. Well, first they're going to look across the state And they're going to, like, develop kind of a, okay, based off last year and this year, this is where we think students should be, like, their target score. Um, But then they're going to take that down even further um, and look at those factors for your specific school school district, and they're going to control for those in the statistical model. And so they're going to develop a target for each student who has tested before of, like, where they should be on this assessment. Um, And then if you exceed the target, you positively impact your overall growth okay. score. And if you don't meet the target, you negatively impact your overall growth score. So do students know what that is, though? Like, would they be aware of what that maybe DESI score is? Like, no. do parents get sent any of that no. information? And they even said, like, it's technically not supposed to be taken down to a student-by-student level. Um, So that's really more like your status and like, hey, last year you did this, this year you did this. Um, Because of that external factor piece, like it's not really meant to be like an evaluation of if students did well, even though students are what build up the score and more so like was the quality of instruction good, strong. I guess my maybe my caveat to this is we've been told in the past that if you scored basic when you were in third grade you're probably going to be basic in fourth fifth mm-hmm. so on and so forth and that might not ever change mm-hmm. so i guess i'm just wondering how, do they factor that aspect in too yeah cuz when so when they like develop that target score 
that is something that they're developing on a student per student level. So if I was below basic last year, um, let's say I'm scoring like a 200, my target might be a 250, but then I can still exceed that 250. Um, So I could fully meet my growth target and still be below basic overall. Um, Additionally, something that I thought was interesting is like two students in the, with the exact same score, um, both last year and this year, depending on their district are going to differently impact their growth model because of those external factors. Mm. So like just to call out some, some area schools, if I'm in Nixa and I grew like 10 points, um, that's not going to have a significant impact because we're looking at a very high resource district right. versus if I got that same score and I grew that same 10 points in like, I don't know, what's a very small school district that's not one of ours. Humansville. Yes, in Humansville. Thank you there so much. You that was You're perfect, Wallace. Um, that might have a more significant impact because I still grew and I'm not dealing with such a rich resource area. Okay. So resources matter. Do this student population also then mm-hmm. impact it directly too? Because yes. like obviously at, let's say Humansville, you probably are only testing 30 to 40 kids mm-hmm. as opposed to at Nixa where it's 300, 400. Mm-hmm taking that same test yes and that and they're going to look at your demographic factors like that goes that's controlled for in the statistic model and like all that kind of stuff so is this a new model how long has this existed okay so like this is all part of msip 6 which the msip 6 rollout began i think like technically excluding this school year right because it always gets weird because you're talking about last school year and the school year so let's say um two years ago um, is when the first pilot of MSIP 6 starts and they're like slowly folding in all these factors. So like this year, for example, will be the first year that EOC scores are included in the growth model. Previously, they have not been. So like we're slowly expanding right. the pieces. Right. And that's every school in the state of Missouri will have this mm-hmm. growth yeah. model. Every public school. Yeah. Every public school, yeah. correct. Now, does that influence um, financial um, like how much money they get from the state is based off of this growth model? Um, It could, but okay. I really found like when I was doing my own research for my dissertation that our public funding is not really like predicated based off student academics, like in the way that maybe we've been led to believe right. that right. it has. Um, So I, I don't know like on a regular yearly basis if, if it's going to have that much of an impact unless you're unaccredited in which that's like a whole different whole different ballpark for you now. I just like the idea of like, and I'm going to throw it like growth mindset. It's not that same thing, but it's easy right. to kind of say, hey, it's under that idea of like, let's look at students growing because mm-hmm. there's a, so many factors. You know, if a student comes in in first grade, you know, math level as a freshman, they're never going to be on grade level throughout those next four years. But as teachers, we want to see growth. We mm-hmm. want to say, hey, they learned some things. And I think that's way more important than to say, you know, they're meeting these specific grade level standards. It's saying, oh, this student has made growth. That's really good knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it, it's good to see like our state specifically saying, okay, we, we can do this. This matters. This, right. you know, and eventually it would be nice to get that down to the very granular student by student level and 
be able to access that data mm-hmm. um, and make decisions based off of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and something from a data perspective that I do think is interesting is that growth model does essentially reintroduce the idea of bubble students. So like students who are really close to being at mm-hmm. the next level of achievement, um, because that's where you're going to see the maximum growth is like moving up a full level. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's interesting from a data perspective, because like if I'm doing a benchmark test, for example, like I'm doing some Galileo data and I have some students who are regularly below basic, but they're like really close to the threshold those should likely become like targeted students through mm-hmm. interventions. So when you're working your RTI tiers, um, if you're like gamifying the system, which inevitably like all school districts do in some small capacity, right. um, those are your like target students where you could really see big time growth and bump up um, on those like bridging the gaps. So I, I've really kind of become this like, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm a math guy, so data and statistics and, like, error correction and all those things I've always kind of nerded out about. Mm-hmm. But I started using IXL at the middle school level, and I'd been familiar with it before. Um, and I wasn't, I think on the outside, I was like, I don't like this. It's, it's like lazy teaching. But this year... I was, you know, given access to it for middle school students. I'm like, well, let's play around with it. How can I utilize this? And I found like the diagnostic information. I was like, oh, well, this is, this is a really good tool. I like, I can have students go in and take this diagnostic assessment. It gives them like subscore results within math. I think there's six subscores in, in math. And then it says their overall um, math score, which is similar to like grade level. Uh, equivalency so like a 400 would be approximately fourth grade um and then they can take new diagnostics and it will um change their score based off how they do um and if they do various things that score can change within it and i'm like uh, now i really love being able to track student progress Mm -hmm. through this um to the point where it's like i've made students very familiar with their scores and their progress. And now it's a part of our daily routine and students for the most part are fully bought into that score. And it, it is kind of gamified in their mind because they want to get that next Mm -hmm. jump. They, and they're like, it's always on my board. Anytime it updates. Um, I mean, we're, we're thrilled, you know, I, I, I've just really got, kind of sucked into this uh, like using that data because in the kind of typical um, way that I taught in the past, like grades were a really good data point, you know, that I could use for students, but we didn't, there was no way to be like, you know, when we do like geometry concepts, you know, finding weaknesses and recommendations and and this software IXL kind of does some of that for me. And it gives me a point to jump off of and be like, okay, let's fill in gaps. And it gives me recommendations and students can do things kind of on their own grade level to try and, and patch that up. Um, it's a good use for like the RTI time or advisory mm-hmm. time for things that they can do. And just being aware of that data just really uh, affects how I instruct day to day. Because in my mind, like, Coming from high school, it's like algebra one, 
I know those standards. I know what I need to teach. And if I have students with, you know, uh, specific learning disabilities and calculation or whatever, you know, it, I still have to teach those standards and yeah, you can differentiate and stuff. Um, but using something like IXL where it's like, okay, their first grade level in algebraic concepts. And then I can go back to like first grade, look up algebra concepts and like kind of cherry pick and put together my own units based on that. And then as I see them grow, maybe they'll jump to like a 300 in that subscore. Now I can be like, all right, let's try some fourth grade stuff and, and start building students up. Like, I am such a nerd about this now. <laughs> like, but like, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I have multiple students that have gone up three grade levels wow. since the beginning of the year. My average growth, and, it, and I realize like this isn't, this isn't summative data. It's mm -hmm. formative. Mm -hmm. Um. But my average growth is one and a half grade levels. That's oh, phenomenal. And that's with the outliers like in there, like students who have like a, a zero because they're, they're, those are, I've got like two students that really haven't bought in and there's behaviors and mm -hmm. they're not always doing that stuff. Um, but it's like, man, this has really changed how I do stuff. And it's mm -hmm. not like to say that's the only tool I have. But using that to like really micromanage lessons um, in my mind, I kind of frame it as like, I now, like I can make sure that the foundation of their knowledge is like, I, if they have gaps, I can really insert like grade level appropriate kind of skills to help build that up. So that foundation is, is more likely to, to stay up because I didn't introduce like really heavy concepts in math that they don't have right. um, that would fall apart. And it's like, oh my gosh, they don't even know how to do this. And it's so common, especially in special education, let alone the regular classroom where kids just have all these skill gaps. And here it's like, okay, I notice across the board, like this specific skill um, isn't there. So let me address that. And then when I do the grade level concept, oh my gosh, it's sticking. And mm -hmm. like the growth that I'm seeing just by doing that, I'm like, holy cow. Like I'm really getting addicted. Well, to that. there's <laughs> it's your dopamine. There's yeah, a, yeah there's an so immediacy. Yeah. That, that that's mm -hmm. what I like about it too, is because especially in the English world, right? Mm -hmm. Our assessments are going to probably be essay based, some mm -hmm. sort of you know writing, and they're highly subjective. Right. That's kind of like what I was talking about before with like that efficacy piece. Like you, you even talked about some things that you guys have done in your department this year to show that like not all grading procedures or grading standards maybe are the same. Right. So um, anyway, sorry. No, no, I, but I, but that takes weeks and weeks to mm -hmm. grade mm -hmm. 120 essays or yeah. whatever. And so then any feedback that I'm giving or anything that I'm noticing, okay, well we've moved on. Right. And, and, and especially in a world where we are preparing them for a test at the end of the day, my kids mm -hmm. are going to be taking an exam and mm -hmm. I want them to do mm -hmm. well on it. Um, so we, I got to move on. Yeah. Whereas with like math, okay, let's do these 10 questions, these 10 problems. And now I'm literally getting a diagnosis of here's right. where they're struggling. Here's where I can be the most impactful. Um, and I, I feel like there are, I know there's ones out there for English. I know I there does, are. Yeah, does it, English. It, 
it I, really is a game for uh, me. It's a game changer because I've, I, I was intimidated at first, but I kind of took my time to learn it and figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's things I'm not utilizing that I probably could because it's very robust, but it ties into the Missouri standard. Like there's a ton that's of stuff. Cool. That's it's really nice to hear you talk about it because I like by nature of my position, I guess I'm often the in-between person in this conversation where like, students um so like our elementary school for example really uses ixl often mm-hmm. um especially i think like at our three buildings in our district or like three conceptual buildings um elementary right now has the like strongest rti system mm-hmm. where they really have like you know we've got a reading interventionist and a math interventionist and there's like time for for those things um so they do use ixl as part of their rti system um and like <laughs> Students are like, I'm an IXL get you know, like they they don't yeah. really um, enjoy that experience. So then parents don't like that, right? Um, so there's pushback here, but uh, you know, from it, and I can I totally see where that pushback comes from. Um, but also, like as an educator and an instructor, I see value in this program, um, and so I can't just be like, yeah, we're not going to do IXL anymore. Right. Woohoo! Um, but I think like your experience really speaks to the benefits of being intentional with those data systems. And so, like, if you're really using them effectively to kind of, like, accomplish what your goals are and um, diagnose and monitor your student progress, yeah. like, the, you can see really big returns. And, like, hopefully those translate. Right. And, and that's my fear, right? Like, these students, like, some of those students who have made those, like, three grade levels in, in half a year, like, they're, they're fully bought in. Like, behaviorally, there's no issues there. They want to do this. Are there times where they're like, ah, you know, I don't want to do this. But then at the same time, they're like, what can I do to get my score up? Because they want that, but they're just like any other kid. They get bored doing with whatever. So they need, we need change and right. you need to be engaging and, and whatever, you know. But I also like, I don't make them do this outside of my classroom. Like, there's no homework with it because I realize, like, I don't think that they're going to get the, f- because the feedback can be so quick with a program like that, mm-hmm. it's more beneficial for me to be there right, mm-hmm. right with them to offer that feedback um, and then have them do it. Even if it's like a skill assessment, I want to be right there to see where they're making the mistakes and how I can remedy that. And then we can say, okay, let's not assess this right now. Let's go back on an individual basis or a small group basis and, and reteach it and address that. Um, it's just a lot more nimble Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like it's a better use of my time. And if I send it home, I, I feel like, you know, if they get frustrated, then they're going to, you know, the parents take that and then the parent may not know how to do it. They're like, oh, it's just computer work. And it, and I get that perception of it. But totally, I do. Um, so I'm just like, let's keep it yep. with me. And it, it just frees them up a lot too. Well, and you as the classroom teacher, you're the most critical part mm-hmm. of that system. So like doing IXL by yourself in a vacuum where you're only getting computer feedback that you might not be reading or interpreting correctly isn't a good use of really yeah. anybody's time. Like you, you're being there, you're giving them the like the feedback that they need to actually chain that and make something meaningful of it. So like it's got to yeah. be with you. So I, I kind of got in this loop of like... <laughs> we want to get those scores up. We want to get that data. Um, and there was, I remember one day where I had to watch like um, somebody else's classroom and I also had my classroom. So we went to the library 
So I've got like 30 to 40 kids in the library. And my students were like, okay, we're going to try to take this diagnostic, update all of our scores and recommendations or just see where we're at. And I had one student that dropped down like 20 points, um, which is kind of a red flag. And I'm like, they were just distracted by everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need to make sure that when they're doing that, it's a, you know, it's a good environment to do it. As much as I want to see that score move, as much as the student wants to, like they were super disappointed. And for me, it was just like, I need to make sure that we're approaching this, um, you know, in in the manner that we would give any test. Like Mm -hmm. I shouldn't give them an assessment when there's, 30 other kids around in a new environment because other kids didn't necessarily have a lot of structure they were kind of on like a free day and it's like well duh that that's on me Mm -hmm. you know so i and i worry that those improvements won't translate to like um, map data Mm -hmm. because these are students with disabilities a lot of them struggle with reading and even though we can mitigate some of that with like text to speech or whatever these students still have disabilities and um the the map tests um aren't always motivate like students aren't necessarily motivated Mm -hmm. to do those all the time and not that these kids would be like oh i don't want to do well it's also just a different stimulus you know like that's not part of what they've been what they have been doing in, in the classroom so it's different and i don't know like i can see the growth even their parents have reached on like, oh my gosh, they're doing really well. And when you do send stuff home, like I'm really impressed. And but I also realize like sometimes that data at the end of the year, like it's not it's not up to me at that point. Yeah. You right. Know? So well, and I don't I think there's a lot of like emphasis on assessments, um, just like in general, like by nature of our accountability mm-hmm. system that we have to operate in. But I also think it's important to like you know, any any place you're getting data from is just like a piece. It's not the comprehensive right. picture. It's just a little part of the picture and it's just giving you insight. So like sometimes there is because of those factors you mentioned, like a lack of translation to other things. That doesn't mean that the students didn't like academically learn and grow. Right. It just means right. that this measure isn't really showing that at this time. Well, and everybody knows like a one shot test is not yeah. high stake summative testing right. is bad. Right. That's why, I mean, there is hope, like there is sure. um, genuine hope that eventually we will translate to a model that is benchmark based. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way your academic monitoring is at least happening over the course of a year. Um, and you're not really just like gambling on that one day in terms of like, how does that student feel on this one singular yeah. day um, when they're approaching their assessment? So there's, there's hope for that down the line. Yeah. One of the things like, and I know I'm kind of nerding out on IXL, and this is not like a paid sponsorship. <laughs> but like, if you like want to, yeah, right. But like, I'd love to check out the IXL for ELA. English ELA yeah. stuff. I should have brought my laptop so I could show you. Do you have is. access to all of the IXL mm-hmm. programs? Like, not yeah, just once math. You a, once you have a subscription, you kind of have access to all of yeah. it. Wow, yeah. it's so not I, really like compartmentalized, like progress learning formerly usa test mm-hmm. prep where you have to like pay for each one it's just kind of the, yeah. the compendium and we're wow. like usa test prep now progress learning I, to me was very user unfriendly it took a lot of clicks to get through stuff i excel super streamlined See, to, i'm like 
Ooh, and I, once again, not a paid sponsorship, but like sometimes I talk to our IXL representative Mm. um, and they like, I I feel like maybe he's just bluffing me and doing a really good job, but like, I feel like they authentically take feedback for their platform and like actually try to apply it. So like if enough districts, teachers are like, Hey, I'm really needing this kind of feature. Like I'm missing this kind of feature. Then they like actually build the feature. Will you send me their information? Cause I've got some feedback. Sure. I don't know if our representative is the same person. Well, I don't know who ours is. I didn't even know we like had one. That's so. cool. I mean, somebody's getting their cut for selling it Fair to enough. you, to, you yeah. know, like yeah. inevitably. Well, and see, I was really frustrated because at our, my current district, we don't have USA test prep and I use that a lot whenever mm-hmm. um, I taught at my previous school. And so instead we have Galileo, okay. which I'm sure is lovely and beautiful, but I have not been taught how right. to use it. It's- so heinous to use it, it, it's so really, it's okay. awful it is not user friendly. so if you're a galileo rep and you want to come and teach me how to use it uh-huh. by all means because i'm sure it's right. great and lovely yeah but no one in the entire yeah. building knows what it does or how yeah. to use it so then it just feels like a giant waste in my classroom and if it feels like a waste for me and i can't use that data mm-hmm. and i want to right mm-hmm. like i want to see where sure. are my kids on these skills and standards that i'm trying to cover and this is a great way to do it that is actually going to mm-hmm. produce real world results right. I, and i can't, i don't have access to it and i can't use it um then i get really frustrated and it's like i'm i'm there with you nobody taught me how to do this at all mm-hmm. and it, at first i was like this is I was very frustrated because we had Ascend Math as a program that's apparently really expensive to use. And I was told, if we're going to use this, like you better use it because it's really expensive. And then I get into it. I'm like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use this. I don't care that you right. paid for it. Right. Like That was your call when you yeah. bought it. Right. Um, there's we're, we're using iReady and Progress Learning, which was USA Test Prep, but apparently the school district didn't know or the administrators didn't know. And they're telling me, like, you need to use USA Test Prep. I'm like, well, it doesn't even exist. I can't get to it. And that's oh, a whole other thing. They didn't even know. Yeah. And then there was IXL. Oh, so we have like all these. And there were some other ones, too. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I have to learn all of these. And then mm-hmm. it was like, no, no, I don't. I'm just going to pick one. This one. This IXL has math and ELA and there's I'm mean, let's do this one. And it luckily it was the user friendly one. Um and I'm like, okay, well I'll I guess I'll teach myself. And that man, you know, those are the things that people don't see that teachers have to do like all the time. They have to put in mm-hmm. to learn those things. And administrators, shame on you for not supporting your teachers to do those things instead of dumping more and more programs and softwares and things that you have to do. Like if you're gonna want them to do that and you want them to be effective and good 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 data, then at least invest in them. Isn't that what we want from students? Like Mm -hmm. we have good instruction and we get good results. We'll do the same thing with your teachers. And this is not a teacher issue. This is an administrative issue. Mm -hmm. Teachers aren't saying that, Hey, we want to, you know, use this program or whatever, like be the leader, you know, really advocate for your people, get good data, get good results. Anyways, Mm -hmm. like what, one of the things that I would like to do with IXL that I'll probably not have the opportunity to do is like the lawn, like the really wide 
over time mm. data. Long-term mm. tracking. Yes. Thank you. I was like, I got you. I, I was yeah. like, oh, long time. Thank you. Very many days. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. After I was on my soapbox, I kind of lost some brain cells. It's too rageful. Right. Um, like, man, if, if I had somebody had, who had presented me this data of students, like this is their overall grade level here, are their sub test scores. And here's how things have changed over time. Like, man, that's really, really useful. Right. And at no point was that ever given to me. There were years where I had to be like, well, can I just have their middle school like grades, test scores? And then it'd be great to have, you know, the end of course tests or map tests. And sometimes the state didn't even release that data. So at least with this, Mm -hmm. it, man, it tracks it and you can see growth and it's like, oh my gosh, that's just really good, easy to access data. And it's so nice for like, when you're um like when your students come in so like for first grade for example we did their IXL diagnostic like mm-hmm. that first two weeks of school um we had a kid who's like 350 on language meaning that he's in the middle of third grade wow. for his and you know language always has the benefit over math that it's something you can passively acquire like mm-hmm. you're in a society that uses that language right. so like you can kind of achieve faster versus like in math, somebody really, you got to, somebody has got to explain that to you. Um, But like, isn't that nice to know when you come in at the start of the year, like, Hey, this kid is already at a third grade level. Like my normal stuff is probably not going to work for this. And if we did it, I excel, let's say it's, I excel it. That's the program. You know, if they want to endorse us by all means, sounds great. (laughs) Love to try your program. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, But what if it's, you know, statewide, every single kid, no matter what school they're at for public anyway, takes a couple of diagnostics and we see where they are. So if they move, because that's the other thing too, we right. get kids. Are you proposing an organized statewide system? Oh, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> so crazy of you because I don't think anybody works in the Desi building. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I call them all the time. Nobody answers. Nobody calls me back. But we're doing a disservice to these kids and to teachers, ultimately to, to teachers, mm-hmm. right. by not having a unified like, hey, here's this diagnostic tool. We're not going to use it to say you're a good teacher, you're a bad teacher. We don't need it for that at this point right like it, right. It, it's not for that yeah but it is to say timmy over here cannot do addition yeah and he's moved 17 times because mm-hmm. that family situations external mm-hmm. factors that we cannot control mm-hmm. what we can control is an internal factor which is they have a diagnostic from third grade fourth grade fifth grade sixth all the way up and now i've got him in 10th grade and they're a new student and they come in and I immediately get those records. And mm-hmm. it says, Timmy reads at a seventh grade level. He can do this, this, and this. He does not have this skill. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now I know exactly what Timmy needs. Yeah. And that's not, that's not special ed. That's not, you know what I mean? Right. Like that is just a, a system, a system like mm-hmm. an instant system. Well, yeah. and with special education, you know, it's very goal-based. Um, your, your data that you're taking should be kind of oriented to goals within the IEP. And sometimes goals are like tied to specific software or I've seen that a lot lately where it's like the student will achieve such and such score in whatever software, which is not a good goal because that like nobody knows what that means. (laughs) And it's also tied to a specific product. Right. Like (laughs) Like what happens if we don't have that software next year? That's that's one of the issues. What happens if that company closes? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one of the issues. So anyways, but it's a good way to like track data 
of like, oh, I we we're gonna have this goal that's standards based, mm-hmm. and we're gonna collect data on that goal, and instead of just trying to come up with your own type of questions, which sometimes can be daunting if you if you need lots and lots of practice, where a program like IXL, you know, it, there's not an infinite number of problems, but there's enough variety for sure that students wouldn't see like a repeat. Right. Like I'm not seeing a lot of repeats when students struggle on something and they get lots and lots of practice on something specific. So even within special education, I see, man, this is a really handy tool. Right. Um, not that you should write goals based on like IXL, you know, scores, but you can use the skills built within it um, to address some of those goals and right. data track and things like that. And get um, imme- just like that immediacy of it. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. I think that would be really, really cool. And it's, that's not to say it's perfect. Like it, it, any program is going to have its flaws for sure. There are things that I'm like, ah, this isn't very efficient or whatever, but it is by far the, the best tool that I've seen. Um, so yeah. Is it, um, and you might not know this, but is it a pretty expensive program to, to, you uh, can't buy it for your classroom. Okay. That's, I mean, truly, like that's, yeah. I mean, but obviously if it can do all these bells and whistles that are profoundly, I mean, like yeah. being able to diagnose, like here's where they're weak or whatever, it has to be a very sophisticated system to do that. You, As an individual, like you could purchase it for, for your own child. Um, they have plans. I, and I, I looked at it months ago cause I was like, man, this might be interesting for like Lily or Emma cause they have stuff pre-K. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could, I, none of that has remained within my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotcha. But the fact that it goes pre-K all the way through high school, like in math, it goes all the way up to pre-calculus. There are Missouri standards tied to it. You can even connect like entire textbooks to it. So if you're using wow. a specific curriculum, that's, some of those are already built inside. Super helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we have such a teacher exodus shortage yeah. things that are happening in the education world that we have no control over having programs like that are really like profoundly yeah. beneficial right because then those kids are still getting equity when it comes yeah. to the data that's being collected about them do you mm-hmm. know what i mean it doesn't speak so much to the fact that jim bob over here has had three english teachers in the course of right. a year you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it, it can really say mm-hmm. like no 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 Jim Bob can only read at a seventh grade level and here's what we can yeah. do to, to help with that. I think maybe one of the downsides though is like if you're a teacher who's not very motivated and that's the only tool you want to use, you could do that and that's yeah. probably not going to be And that's a, a bad space uh, to be in. Yeah. yeah. So it, it would enable a very lazy teacher or one who's maybe not very confident or knows how to do the things um, that they should be doing. So mm-hmm. there's that. One, well, I think... Like IXL, iReady, any of those things, it's important to remember that those are like an instructional tool. Right. Um, but they are not like a curricular system in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Or like I know of places, rooms where like, okay, it's getting close to map season. So now we're just going to like really zone in on this IXL business. Yeah. And that's not really doing anything for anybody. It's about that like system of feedback, using it to yeah. intentionally inform your instruction and all those like good level things right. not just like panic we don't know what to do you're doing yeah. this 
Yeah, that's where I would be. Maybe the, like you said, the caveat to any sort of program like that is we don't want kids just sitting in front of a computer no. screen all no. day, every day. That's We know that that's not good for them. They yeah. already are they doing that. that. <laughs> well, they're already doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. They, have a tel- they have a cell phone and TikTok or whatever. Yes. So they're already doing that. They got that. their screen time covered. Yeah. Right. They're, you know, getting plenty of that. But if I can use it to say... Hey, let's see. Let's do a skill check real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five questions. Oh my gosh, everybody got every single one correct, or every you know, yeah. or hey, we're we don't know what theme is anymore at all. Let's make sure tomorrow I'm sure. covering that or it's whatever. Like, so I, with special education, I do a lot of like direct instruction. So it's not always the most fun stuff, but I think by the nature of my personality, I try to make things engaging, even even if it's direct instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, And I build some of the features of IXL into the lecture. There's things called group jams. So I can put up, I can put up a question Mm -hmm. and everybody can be on their Chromebook. And when we're ready to like answer that question, um, well, we can go from like me modeling to like guided practice to individual practice all built within that. So everybody logs in, they're seeing the same exact problem that I have on the board so I can model it. Okay. Here's how we do it. And then, you know, the students kind of follow along. They can type in the answer that I come up with. Okay, we do that. And then we can do, okay, why don't you try this? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it tells me like who gets it right, who gets it wrong. Immediately it tells me what their answer was. If they get it wrong and I'm swamped, it comes up with like the prompt of like, this is how you do this specific problem. Need more help? Here's a video on this specific skill. How cool. Now, I don't... I don't want students to use that if I'm in the room because I want to be the one that fixes it, but it's nice to know it's there. And Mm -hmm. those students who are doing like RTI stuff or they have like study skills or some other time. Or the reverse, right? The kids that are high flyers. Okay, here, you got all these right. Now let's try just moving you on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's nice that like I can utilize that. I don't always do that, but it's becoming more of of the kind of routine of like I can model the skill. We can do like guided practice, independent practice. And then like once we're ready, we can assess the skill. And then that just gives me, are we ready to like move on in the unit? Mm -hmm. We need to hang out here. Okay, well, we're doing terribly. We need to back up and find someplace else to go. But all that, like I can find like the linkages to other grade levels to say, hey, we need to start down here with things. So um I think a lazy teacher would just put up problems, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. this is all we do and like, just do your thing and I'm just going to click or whatever. But it, it, it streams line kind of the process for me. So anyways, I feel like this has been a really long endorsement for it, but it's next year. Jacob works for IXL. But data, I mean, (laughs) but, but data impacts. It's beautiful. Well, it impacts what you're teaching and it should, right? Like I, I get really frustrated and this is, I Listen, I'm standing on my soapbox All for right, a second. Spill it, girl. I get, I get really frustrated when I hear somebody say, I don't teach standards. Oh. I don't teach standards. Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. That's what you were paid to do. Also, like, we've, I mean, we've talked about this before, but possibly who are you? Like, you're just some dude and you get to decide what 90 kids receive in their education. Why? Because you're imbued by the Lord? Like, I don't understand. Like, you need some sort of, like, structure that tells you, like, no, actually, we've chained this system and this is what they need to do the next stuff. Right. Like, you don't get to just randomly decide independently, like, what is valuable for 
for a large body of children. For your own child? Sure. Absolutely. I don't really care. But like for 120 children, right. you don't get to just like decide. Like, and where are you getting that information? Like what what are you deciding? This one, right. Like where did this knowledge come yeah. from? It's just like in the ether. Like you're just so powerful it just and knowledgeable. Came upon me in yeah. my dreams. Yeah. And now I'm spreading it to the youth. <laughs> yeah. That's indoctrination. Well, and then you wonder why there's so much distrust in the education right. from the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's stuff like that. Like, well, I'm just not going to teach any standards and I'm just going to. Great. Do, it's the wild Super west. Super good use of everybody's time. I, I don't want the wild west. Right. I no. didn't get into teaching to have the wild west. With some intentional so, processing. So data to me is critical. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not receiving any data and then when they move on from my class and then they're literally getting zero data. Mm-hmm. I, oh, So right. they're doing nothing. Like. To me, there's there's just a, I don't know. I also, so something that I've encountered um, is like this idea for really, for really experienced, like you've been teaching for a long time, you know your stuff, you're doing a great job, right? Like very high tiered level educator. Um, there's kind of this idea of like, well, I don't really need that. Like, I don't need IXL to tell me how my kids are doing. Right. Like, I already know how my kids are doing. I don't collect data. Um, and I get a little frustrated with that interpretation because you do collect data. It just doesn't look like this. Right. Like, you know right. how your kids are doing because you are formatively assessing them through all the things that you collect, the answers you see them give in class, how they interact with others, others when they're given a prompt. Um, so I just don't, like, my big frustration is for people who are like, Oh, essentially kind of like that's beneath me. Like I yes. don't I don't right. do that. Right. And I'm like, well well you do. It's just maybe you're not thinking about it like through this lens. Well, right? and so much of it was anecdotal yes. data. Like really the only hard data I had was grades. Mm-hmm. Like right. and I graded everything because I was that math teacher and I that terrible. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't be that person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now it's like I have I have so many like finely tuned data points mm-hmm. that I would not have if it was just anecdotal. Like, oh, this student's doing good. Mm-hmm. Right. Now I can say this is exactly where they're at. And not to say that it's perfect, right? No, and no assessment, no tool really is. But it, man, that data is really efficient to get. Um, and the tool's just easy to use. Like, and it's and transparent. It's, I'm not and- really doing a whole lot different stuff than mm-hmm. what I was doing before. I like that it's transparent for those kids mm-hmm. too, because oftentimes, especially in English, kids don't know where they yeah. really are. Aside no. from the grade, uh-huh. they truly could not tell you skill-wise, skill-wise where they're at. But I, a program like that instantly can say, here's your school. Like, here's where you're, you know, here yeah. are your pitfalls. Here's what we need to work on. I like that you have the data for everybody. Because if you're doing that anecdotal, like, oh, I just have a sense of how my students are doing, which, like, I don't mean to demean either, because, like, you should have a sense of how your students are doing. But if you, like, ask a question and let's say you have a class of 28 and 27 hands go up to answer it, that would seem really positive. But, like, you might always be missing the 28th hand. And there's no way, like, nobody's going to convince me that you catch every hand every time. Like, it's just not, it's not possible. You're doing too many things in that moment. Right. Um, and so this way you have like an authentic picture and at least in some capacity of how everybody is doing mm-hmm. because everybody has the chance to respond. Yeah. Yes. Well, and w- so in the past you, you have some, some of those weird cases with students. I had a student my last year teaching previously who, who did no homework. 
which is not a good thing. But mm-hmm. then on tests, we get like B's and C's and it's like, well, that's good. Like they're learning. They're just not doing the progress. So anecdotally between units, like other than what they answer in class, there's not a lot of good data there. Yeah, right. But it's with this, it's like, it's part of what we do. It's kind of built in and it's like those data points don't come from only those diagnostics. Like it's, it can be just, you know, skill work, like these mini lessons that it assesses. And so that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the student who maybe never turns anything in, does really terrible on, on every test, which you expect because they didn't turn anything in. But other than like they're failing, you don't know where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, they're not doing anything and, and well, they should do stuff. I definitely and, like and if that, they did some stuff. Right. <laughs> like, as far as like, well, where are they at? Right. You don't yeah. really know. And that yeah. helps with, do you not know it or do you not right. want to try? Yeah. Because yeah. if you can have a diagnostic. Skill or will. Right. It is the skill or will. And if everybody has to take and, and use IXL in every grade level, in every capacity, not saying that it replaces teachers by any means. It, right. It can't. It, it can. shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um. But if every single kid has some data that follows them, wow, mm-hmm. yeah. how huge would that be? So state of Missouri. <laughs> One system, or, all people. Or we, we create that. Listen, IXL. No, I don't. I don't IXL already it. has it. I'll just go work for <laughs> IXL. Listen, IXL, I, uh, their, their customer their, service their is nice. Hiring. Call me. Not that I've looked. Hey, he's oh. like, ooh, come work in my district and do little trainings. It's so That'd fun. So fun. But like, come hang out. Come hang out. It, it adds to efficacy and equity for our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be about. Yeah. Database decisions are good. Don't yep. be afraid. And that growth, what's the growth model that Missouri has adopted? It's just the growth, that's the growth oh, model. Oh, it's just called a growth model? Yeah, it's the, you had an acronym. the, growth, the Missouri growth model formula, something like that. I thought that. you had like an acronym, uh, the D, D, DCI. DCI. Yeah. That's our Thank district you. continuous improvement team. Oh, okay. Separate acronym. uses the Missouri growth. Um, no, they do in-house data. It's so like they're really cool it's basically like a team of three ours is three ladies uh and they come in and we have little like data team meetings with our teachers where the teachers bring data from their own classroom and then they have like a form that they do um where like okay so let's say we're analyzing a quiz that you gave it's 10 questions hey what question if we're like you've scored it how would we rank kids in terms of like basic proficient advance and like, okay, let's look at all the, your stack of basics, like any consistencies. And they'd be like, Oh, they all got question eight wrong. So then we're going to look at question eight. Like is question eight a bad question or is it like an issue in terms of like, right. Hey, we need to reteach gotcha. and like that kind of stuff is what they do. Perfect. Yeah. So quick da- synopsis data. It's important. Yeah. Mic drop. Ultimately data. That is good. School. Well, good. I just think if we're going to have everything be fair for kids, we have to look at data and teachers have to accept data and know that it doesn't paint an entire picture of what we do in the classroom, but it definitely good teachers will use data to influence their teaching. Well said. And right on cue. They just have to know how to use the data. Like that's that's kind of my thing. I don't know how much of this conversation I missed, but no, amazing! Just, you did a great that's job. That's the punctuation. That's the punctuation. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are. If you have any comments, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address. It is WTWA at 277media.com, where the whiteboards are, WTWA at 277media.com. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work.